We changing the game on the name, put respect. Uncle Dad talks, yeah, live and direct. What did you expect from the two fly guys? One love Kevin Smith, one or more is Golden Eye. Mike's the level-headed, baby gave edits. Uncle Dad gets nervous all the time, but to his credit, he's clever. Spring stuff on Mike on a daily. He can mangle up a name amazingly. The range of events and topics makes it hard to stop listening. So why even... Hello, everyone. This is a very spooky version of Uncle Dad Talks. I am your host, Uncle Dad, and with me is Mike. Welcome to Uncle Dad Talks. <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome to Uncle Dad Talks, a spooky, spooky month. We're keeping the spooky season going. Uh, this this is probably one of our most jam-packed, interview jam-packed episodes I think we've ever done. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, uh, maybe with the, the only thing I could think that would come close is to some of the the live events where we're talking to a bunch of people, but um, this is a much different format for sure. Yeah, for sure. So this is our first time doing a real uh, press junket uh, with uh, a studio. We partnered with Julio. Uh, Julio. Oh <laughs> we partnered with Julio. <laughs> Julio is the Julio slash Hulu network. Yes. No, we partnered with Hulu. Hulu, uh, with their bite-size Halloween uh, a yearly event they do. This is year three, and uh, we've talked to several of the filmmakers, actually more than several of the filmmakers uh, behind these movies. Uh, if you don't know what bite-size Halloween is, basically it is a annual uh, anthology series of short films that are made by people, uh, 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 by POC, uh, LGBTQIA, and uh, women, uh, so full of diversity, full of great backgrounds creating these incredible tales of of fear and more uh so but mike before we get all into that we got to pay the bills as always and we got to talk about our sponsor clandestine brewing now clandestine brewing we are throwing a pretty big party with them mike do you want to talk about that party we are throwing a halloween booze and brews party yes we are I don't know what that accent was or whatever that was, but we are throwing a party on uh, October 21st at Clandestine Brewing in beautiful San Jose, California from 6 to 11 p.m. And uh, you and I will be there doing a live show. We'll also have the great tunes played by uh, Mr. Buku One, uh, who I think I've said it before. I'll say it again. Plays excellent mixes. He knows what he's doing. We'll have live art from uh, our good friend Imanic, who's uh, been on the show. And uh, we'll also have a, a special celebrity appearance by voice actor Mike Vaughn, who's uh, probably most uh, known Vaughn. for his uh, Scream TV series, which is partly why we're bringing him in for a Halloween party, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying. I can't do that voice as good as he can, but we're very excited. We're gonna have, we have a fun little skit idea that we're gonna try. Uh, we don't really do skits, so we'll see how that's gonna work. Um, but that was Mike's idea, so if it doesn't work out, blame Mike. <laughs> I think I forgot the skit. Oh, did you? Okay, well I'll tell you. I'll tell you a different day. <laughs> but yes, uh, to Mike's point, please come check it out because here's the thing: if you come and you're in the San Jose area, or if you're just in California and you're willing to make the drive out here, we really appreciate it because if you support our sponsors, you support us. And this is a big event supporting us. We'll be selling some merch. Uh, we'll be selling some exclusive merchandise for um, Mike Vaughn. And uh, yeah, he's going to be there hanging out. I mean, you can literally just hang out with Mike Vaughn, drink a beer with him, 
He doesn't have a table. He's just going to be there with us being being a celebrity, doing big things, smoking cigars, I'm sure. But it's going to be a great time, and we hope to see you on October 21st, 6 to 11, at our dear friends, Clandestine Brewing. Uh, so we'll see you there. Uh, all right, Mike. Let's let's talk about Bite Size Halloween Season 3 or Year 3. Uh, man, what a crazy bunch of films. A lot of different creative visions i would i would definitely say there there's not any one road you go down on this which is which is great right it's it's people from all over the world really with all very different stories to tell yeah you know what it makes me think of mike since uh you know we used to be a comic podcast it makes me think of like a a trade with like different books inside of it you know what i'm saying like an anthology like an anthology yes you're right (laughs) (laughs) but in comic book form but now in movie form but i guess that's also happened too so uncle dad's reaching it's it's been a long day you know (laughs) i mean go ahead and reach (laughs) Uh, so mike uh for this uh episode this is part one Uh, for part one we have five great interviews with five amazing filmmakers and those filmmakers uh all have uh they just have such great unique movies uh i'm just gonna run them down real quick uh, we got Ticks by Sam Max. We have Go to Bed Raymond by Nikki Taylor Roberts. Live Bait by Andrew Lorick. And we have Trespassers by Robin. I'm, I'm going to pitch this last name. I apologize so much. Robin Takao Doench. That sounds about right. And Ride or Die by Min, by Min Sun Park and Teddy Tenenbaum. Uh, I have to ask you, sir, what was your favorite of those five? They were all my favorite. <laughs> what a great answer! Uh-huh. Smoking like a true, like a true mom. Uh, I mean, I, I you know, I, I like a mom. Um, well, I like them all for different reasons. Um, <laughs> I think, I think I'll just say the one that I thought was the most fun to watch and entertaining for for sure. Entertainment was uh, Ride or Die. Um, yes, I, I thought it, I laughed. Um, it was freaky. It was kind of crazy. The, the cinematography was good. There were some cool references in there. Um, so uh, they, they win my vote for uh, most uh, entertaining. Mm. You know, I, I think I'm right there with you. Uh, I would say the same for me is most entertaining. Most entertaining. But the most terrifying out of that group, mm, honestly, I think goes to, to go to bed Raymond for me. Well, we are right on par because uh, – that was the same for me. I, I did actually get physical goosebumps watching that movie. Film, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, that, that, that one. And you, you guys will all learn all about it shortly. But uh, she does such a great job of creating those, those fears of, you know, being a child and not being heard. So everybody, please sit back and relax. Enjoy. Maybe, maybe listen to this one with a friend so you're not scared. That's going to be terrifying. Maybe light a candle, get in the mood. You know, a, a scary candle. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, like a skull candle. Ooh, yeah, that bleeds. Yeah, yeah it bleeds. And then when the, when the wax melts away, there's like a ghoul face underneath. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Uh, yes, so sit back and enjoy uh, our coverage of Hulu's Bite Size Halloween Part 1.
I think um, that now it should oh, go. Now yeah. it's working. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we'll just dive into it. Uh, hi, I'm Uncle Dad. Uh, with me is Mike. Mike, say hello. Hello, hello. Uh, Mike, we are speaking with uh, Sam, uh, which who also has probably one of the most awesomest names in the world, Sam Max. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Uh, Sam, we're talking about uh, your 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 film for Bite Size uh, Halloween uh, Ticks. I, I have to tell you, when uh, Mike saw it, he gave me the best email. He goes, this is going to give me nightmares. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you want to explain that real quick? I mean, it's true. Um, <laughs> I think he did a great job. Uh, the visuals in 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 takes um, are definitely some that have that's that stay in your mind. I'll just say that. Uh, me, I, I I was highly highly into horror years ago and uh, went to several horror film festivals, and uh, yeah, this is just it's just right up there as far as uh, as as creating. A visual space to to be frightening. I'll just say that. <laughs> yes. Thank <laughs> um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and obviously this is not your first film. So, uh, but but yeah, what's uh, how how do you come up with uh, with something like ticks? Like, what's your creative process for that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I sort of. You know, it is a very heightened and elevated world, and and I'm sort of interested in portraying worlds on film and, and other stuff that I do that feel sort of like they're walking a line between realism or naturalism and something that's slightly heightened. Um, and so that that was something that I was trying to do here. And also, um, on the writing level, I'm I'm usually drawing from my own autobiography, not necessarily always things that have happened to me, but things that I have a personal relationship to. Like that's how I come to writing and how I come to coming up with ideas for film. Um, I'm not really interested in like speaking theoretically about something I don't have a relationship to. So everything in the film is kind of coming from either relationships I've been in or relationships that I've observed in a deep way from like being in close proximity to them. And then, you know, the horror aspect of it just came from, you know, I grew up in in uh, Pittsburgh, kind of like between the Northeast and the Midwest. And I went to a summer camp in West Virginia for many years. And you're kind of always warned about like checking yourself from for ticks. And they're kind of like this like invisible killer kind of or they're so small and then you realize they're on you way too late and then you've like been exposed to you know like Lyme disease or whatever um and so I was interested in like um what it would mean for to like to use that idea of of realizing it's too late um in the context of a kind of like jealous and possessive or abusive relationship and and it's also like speaking to the idea of like one partner being a parasite and the other trying to get free, but then also kind of turning into the parasite. Um, so all of those ideas are in the nine minute short, hopefully. <laughs> what a powerful nine minutes though. I mean, like it's a, uh, and I hope you don't mind me saying this. I'm a big fan of Sergio Argento and it has that very much that dreamlike feel of his. So if that's worth anything, yeah, it's a, uh, I, I, I think, you know what you're talking about you know what your what your film is trying to portray it does hit it in almost every level and uh i think a lot of that has to do with this very dreamlike feel of it you know so i have to you know i do have to ask is is there a Sergio argento influence in that as well uh, yeah to a degree i mean like i uh 
Yes, I, I will say yes. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm interested in in his work and also filmmakers like him, like Apichat Pangwir Sethakul, who kind of like create these. Um, yeah, just like worlds that are hard to place. I think that's yes, what cinema yeah. can be really good at, and and it keeps people on the edge of their seats. At least it's like the kind of stuff I really like watching. Is yes. um, I like filmmakers who who confuse me in the right ways. Oh yeah, and I think totally. You know, you, you, when you say that, that's such key because it was very much like that confusional. What is this leading to? What is coming next? And then you got that beautiful scene. You know, I, I don't want to give too much away. I want I want I want our audience to listen, right? You know, but. There's a beautiful scene involving, you know, two beautiful humans doing things involving other things. And it's, uh, it's just so, it's so great. It's, uh, you have to have such a beautiful uh, and dark imagination to achieve those kind of things. So I think you did and, and be very, very proud of that work because it's so, it's pretty great. Uh, Mike, I, I know you probably had something else you would like to add. Oh, well, yeah. Um... I was also very confused, which is normal for me. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, when I first saw the title, Ticks, I, I grew up in the South, very much aware and afraid of ticks. I've got some horrible tick, real, real, real tick stories that I won't, I will, will not share with you because it's probably <laughs> more terrifying than the film where they were. But, um, <laughs> it is, it is a, a nice, uh, kind of it's a not a juxtaposition but you know you're using tick they're in the they're you know i will say they're in the forest and that that those relationships those abusive relationships can be like you know a, a parasite on you mm -hmm. um you know and and i don't know you do it so well uh some of the scenes feel so real you know i kind of grew up around certain people and there's a scene I, I don't think I'm giving too much away by saying this where um, there's a person digging through through a bag like a purse I think right like trying to find something to help and just the way that they're digging around in there frantically probably not even sure what they're looking for I feel like I've seen that exact same person and, that, and, and had that same feel of them looking for something in this frantic I hurt you now I want to help you energy and that's you know that to me is is the most terrifying part of it you know when you go beneath you know the, the, the gore or whatever that's there that's very real and that okay. that that feeling that, that that scene has feels very real so you did a very good job at, at pulling the kind of the horror and the fantasy into like the horror of real life in that in that in that part Thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot to me. I, I, that's exactly what I'm interested in, and I, I feel so grateful you said that, and I'm really glad that it came across. And um, I also want to say that, like, regarding the sort of relationship that's depicted, which is pretty, you know, depraved and high stakes for both of them. Um, that I, I felt like, like, how can I handle this on film in a way that's not sort of like. That's, that's about the person who is trying to get free and isn't focusing too much on the kind of like punishing nature of the relationship. So I'm like, I feel glad that you hooked into that image because I feel like what I was trying to do was intersperse it with enough details about who this person is and who the and what the relationship is without being so gratuitous about, you know, like showing the protagonist in, in moments of being abused. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you did, you did a great job. So, so kudos to you for that. And, right. and, and, and also like, and I think this happens in, in, in a lot of abusive relationships where there's the abuse and then there's the want to help, right? Like I, I hurt you, but, but now let me fix you. Now let me help you. And it's, 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 it's why people get stuck in these, in these situations. Um, because it feels really horrible and then it feels really, then it feels like there's some, some care there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just say, I just say you did a really good job Thank with you. all of those things. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with, with Mike on that. It's, uh, what you achieved in, in that short amount of time is so impactful. I and mean, really it, it is, uh, I, but I, I have to ask on the horror side of things, what was it kind of terrifying to see the ticks come to life though like when you finally saw them with their full prosthetics on and stuff like that i mean i, I always wondered that because i feel like i'd just be terrified like i know it's fake but it's just terrifying <laughs> yeah well well we like i think we set up the shots in a very particular way and set up lighting in a way that you know is really like emphasizing the scarier parts of them but on set it just kind of feels like oh these are my friends and we're putting them in kind of like ridiculous <laughs> decorative things and like the teeth don't fit in their mouths right and they're kind of walking around like feeling ridiculous and the two actors who like wear those practical effects happen to be close friends of mine and so we were all just having a good time like having them walk around and like me taking candid pictures of them with like these ridiculous <laughs> kind of like sitting around so it was a good time mostly yeah that's great you know what i'm glad you said that because one of the things too a lot of people i feel like take for granted when they watch these kind of horror films especially with such a, a deep a deep subject matter is that they don't take into consideration the amount of fun it is to make these and sometimes you can you can feel that energy on camera and i have to tell you i felt that energy on camera too like i could okay. feel that it's like we're all just doing the spring picture, you know, and especially when you think about for, you know, it's, it's going to be on Hulu. Like, it's so exciting. You know, it's like, this is awesome. You know, like, I don't know. I love it. I love the energy you portrayed on there, both in reality and both behind the camera. So just seriously, thank you for making such a beautiful short film. Thanks. That's very, very kind of you. I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. And then speaking of, of that, it's on Hulu. How does that how does that work for, for, for someone like you? Like, how do you, how do you go about submitting your stuff so that it's on Hulu? What's the process like for that? Yeah, totally. Um, well, this, this like program, the, the bite-sized Halloween slate of projects is kind of special. It's at, in my mind, the only real, um, like project that a studio is undertaking that's like this. Um, and they, 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 I had seen, um, films that they've produced in years prior and, um, I thought they were really interesting and there were like a few from past seasons that I really looked up to um, and they I made my first short film independently it's with Zachary Quinto it's called Chaperone um, and that had a Sundance world premiere um, in the last festival cycle so um, in January 2022 um, and they I guess like execs had or were aware of me or had seen the film um, from 20th Digital and they approached me about pitching them a few ideas for this and I was just kind of like how can I say no like I you know it's really rare for a group of people to be putting resources behind short films they don't make any money um, they're in many ways just kind of like for the love of filmmaking or to represent in some way like what a filmmaker can do down the line and so I felt it was like a special kind of 
moment for me to also take on a project like that and and learn how to work with the studio and learn how to make things on a a slightly different paradigm than how I'd been making them before. So yeah, it was just like a huge growing experience and they were lovely to work with. So yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I saw on your on your website you had a the film and and sun with Sundance and and so it seems like your career is 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 going in the right direction. And uh and, and good to you for that. And I just I also assume uh growing up in, in Pennsylvania, that's that's correct me if I'm wrong, that's where George Romero's from, right? Am I no, right on that? I don't know. I, know. I think I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, you're right. right. No, he's it's right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, George Romero's from uh, Pittsburgh. Yes. <laughs> were you a Were you a fan of like the, the George Romero and and the, the zombie movies and 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 that like growing up? Like, were you a horror fan growing up your whole life? Or? I was a horror fan. Um, I don't know if I, I. I have to say, like, I'm the kind of director who, like, when people are throwing around directors and references, I start getting a little intimidated just because <laughs> I didn't go to film school and like I sort of like what I like, but also I. I, I watch I watch for research and it's pretty exhausting for me to like watch movies like it's not it doesn't feel like a pastime to me it feels like doing research so I have to also like control the amount I'm watching um, at least right now uh, but I I yeah I didn't actually know that 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 George Romero was from Pittsburgh until you said that but I will say like my my childhood experience of horror movies was like. There was like a, a parental control lock on my TV. I don't know if you had that, but th there was like an era of like these huge box televisions where like, you know, like my parents would put like a code on the TV so I couldn't watch certain channels. But I found I found that code in my babysitter's manual when I was really <laughs> young. So like I knew the code my whole upbringing and I would like be turning on these kind of like like B horror movies or like honestly like F horror movies like there's one called like Cube that was like kind of like Saw but like max yeah. maximized and like that was always on for some reason. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> really? I was, yeah, I feel like I was watching horror movies on cable like knowing the parental control lock code as a as a way of like trying to form an identity inside this like very desolate environment. So horror movies were my way to liberation in many ways. I love that, man. That's awesome. First off, huge shout out for the Cube reference because nobody yeah. talks about that movie. <laughs> it was pretty good. I would watch it again. Yeah, it was. It's it's great. I love that movie. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I we know. I think me and Mike both know your career is going to be incredible uh, down the line. Seriously, and it's this film. I can't say it enough. It's it's truly one of the best. I think on the Bite Size Halloween, so thank you. Thank you so much, really appreciate it. Nice to meet y'all. Nice yeah, to meet you as well, Sam. Good luck with your career. Thanks. Hello, how's it going? It's going uh -huh. very well. Uh, so I, I am so excited to talk about your film because let me tell you, it brought back some childhood trauma. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, <laughs> I, it's probably make me sound really weird, uh, which I tend to do a lot. But uh, <laughs> I feel that I, when I was growing up, I would tell my parents a lot, hey, uh, something's, you know, talking to me or I hear or whatever. I go to bed, go to bed. It's nothing. It's nothing. I'm here with you. And, you know, I'll tell a quick story. I have this very vivid memory of where I swear up and down. I told my parents that something's in the room and I look to the left of me. And I'm not kidding you. 
I, to this day, I remember a hand appearing and coming outside of the bed, sliding downward. Oh I my gosh. I'm, yeah, I think I've told you this story before, Mike, but uh, it's... Yeah, uh, I, the hand know. was actually me. I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope not, but okay. <laughs> but, but I've I, I've had that true fear. And yeah. so when I'm watching this film, I have not, personally, I haven't really seen a film, a short film like this in a while that's kind of done that to me. And oh, so, wow. <laughs> so, you know, not that bringing up childhood trauma is, you know, necessarily a good thing, but, but, it, but, but it, inside of that memory in my mind of like, wow, what, I, I've almost forgot about that. Like, it's just, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I can bring you back there. <laughs> Yeah, so you know your your, your film. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, go to, uh, go to bed, Raymond. I, you know it is something so it's so powerful, even the short period of time that it is. Right, it's such a short, you know, film literally, but it gets so much done in that time. And yeah, I I loved every second of it. What I really appreciated too is how those finite details of you know Mike brought up a good. Actually, I'll let Mike tell Mike tell her your reaction with some of those details I'm referring to. I mean, the, the, you know, I don't want to obviously don't want to give too much away about about your film, um, Nikki, but there are some very intense scenes where there are whispers in the night. And I think for most people, you know, waking up in your bed and hearing whispers in the night is probably one of the most terrifying things for many different reasons. Right. It could be a hand under the bed right. <laughs> attached to a attached to a person or it could be a burglar or right. you know you're someone's sneaking around creeping who knows right so for you what where does that come from just all those like creepy things well I, well we say creepy because we don't understand it but all those like unexplained things that happen to the psyche at night you know like everything seems to just become more amplified like our sense, like our visual ability is dimmed down. So our other senses, you know, are heightened. So like what may just be the rushing of wind sound, you know, we can anthropomorphize and say that's somebody talking, you know, um, or maybe you are spiritually inclined and it is someone talking. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, like what, whatever it is for you. But yeah, like I, I wanted to infuse that in there just to talk about those things. Like they do happen. Like I've experienced them, you know, um, it was just me, you know, uh, throwing, throwing a projecting for the situation, but, um, our mind does play tricks on us, um, at nighttime. Yeah, 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 totally. And I think uh, what, what I like about that is that it's not even just like our mind, but it's also like, as be, you know, it, it, Raymond is a child, right. And we're talking about what a child has to say. And when we, when we hear that, I think a lot of parents, you know, including mine, and I'm sure your guys is, you know, would discredit what we would say because, Oh, they're a child, like whatever it's in your head. Right. But what if there is more truth to that than we realize? Right. So I think capturing that it, it's a hard thing to do, but I think you did it in a way that it kind of like, it is very relatable. Cause like I said, it brought up childhood trauma that I didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. The, the, the scene where, where I, I don't, I won't give too much away, but there's a scene where the whisper, there's a certain amount of whispering that wakes up a parent and that it really literally gave me goosebumps. I'm not just saying that, like I had goosebumps with that scene. How, how does it, how many takes, how, how many tries does it take to get that exact 
moment right where it has the impact that it has when you're doing a film like that? A lot of trial and error until you feel it. So like, if you felt it, I felt it in the process of making it. I was like, Ugh, stop, that's the one. And so mm -hmm. that's how, like the gut check. Um, like that's when I know that in all that trial and error and trying different things and mixing different things that it, something works. Yeah. Yeah, well, you did a good job. And, you know, I was also looking at your website and saw that you uh, you were, I think it was nominated for an Emmy. What, what was that like? What was that kind of film about? Oh, no, it was just television work. <laughs> television work? Yeah. Oh, just, just television, television work. That's work. all. No. Pish, pish posh. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I love that answer. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. So, so humble. Well, your your work is your work is great. I mean, you've got uh, Emmy nominated work. Now you have a, 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 a short film on Hulu. So it seems like you're going in the right direction um, with your artwork. So kudos to you for that, for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. What was for you the biggest challenge when creating this like small concept? I mean, it's a big concept, but a small a short film, right? How, yeah. What was the what was the biggest challenge of like deciding where it's going to go? Um, because how soft or how hard I could play the hand, you know, cause like it could, it could, it, you could go too fast, too hard. And then there's nowhere to, to go. But if you let it, if you delineate it and you don't bore people along the way, like that is finding that sweet spot of like, how much longer can you pull this out until you have a satisfaction or some sort of satisfaction in it, you know? And so it was just finding that rhythm. Um, and I come from a musical background, so it was finding that rhythm was like playing notes for me, like, you know, um, narratively speaking, like I'm, I'm finding, you know, what, how long should I stay here? How long should I stay there to get that reaction, that feeling, just like when you're playing music, so, yeah. That's beautiful. I, I, I love that because I think, when we talk about like, you know, especially horror film, horror film is very much like that, right? Because it is, you could pack too much punch right away and then it's dead. Or, you know, you pack too little punch and then people leave bored, are bored. But what I liked about uh, your film is that it almost can be, truly be like a full-blown movie eventually, or even a, a very in-depth novel. Because I would love to learn, I mean, all the things you bring up towards the end, and again, I don't want to spoil it, but when you start seeing the reveals of everything, Mm -hmm. it, it's so interesting because like you know my kid gave me what he thought maybe um what that reveal is and i was like you know it, it it's great because it's such a great conversation piece i'm like what you know what if you could dive in and flesh that in more which so if you were given that opportunity would you want to flesh this out more absolutely like <laughs> it would it's my dream it'd be totally kaz's dream like it absolutely absolutely um because there's so much more storytelling behind it like there's so much more world building um, just and then the myth, the mythos surrounding the kids and where that comes from, and like you know what's 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 going on with Raymond? Like what's up with you, Raymond? Like you know, like how how many times has this happened? You know, and what was that adventure like? So yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and what's up with Raymond's friends in the in the forest? What's up with your friends, Raymond? No, no, what's up with those <laughs> Can that be a t-shirt? What's up with your friends, Raymond? <laughs> That's the sequel. That's the sequel. Uh, <laughs> What's up with that? I like that idea. I like that. 
<laughs> it is fun though when you when you're doing a short film, you kind of can leave the ending up to the to the viewer to kind of interpret whatever they want, right? So yeah. there's two there's two things you when you're doing a longer film, you can you can actually write your story that you want. Yeah. But it's also kind of fun to just let people's imagination go from here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I want to also point out too that I, I am so, I, I've been a horror fan my whole life. And I think it is a shame that we don't have more uh, women of color making horror films. So yeah. I think it is absolutely awesome that you're part of this project. And I think it's great that Hulu's doing this because uh, truly it's so exciting to see more because horror really is for anybody. I mean, it, it is to me, it's one of those few genres that really can really has no preference of anything, right? Because it could represent every, every, I mean, some of our most, the most famous Clive Barker, you know, like what he did for the horror genre, you know, it just, I think it's just so exciting to see you know the diversity of horror change i think jordan peele also is a big part of that too you know mm -hmm. and so just thank you so much for taking the time and being a part of this project and showing that you know because i'm sure there are young women of color out there like man i love horror but there's nothing for me like no this it is for yeah. you yeah yeah just yeah do it do it also because you know it's they see themselves not in it i think that makes a better Exactly. Or, or, because you yeah. never tried it. It's like, you know, take life, put life under horror. No. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> okay. <I> mean, <laughs> That's political, but yes. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we all get scared, right? No matter yeah. who, we all, we all get scared of something. You know what? Yeah. I also got scared of when there's a quick scene in your film is when you're not able to sleep and you look at your phone to see what time it is in the middle of the night or morning, that's terrifying. That, that is terrifying. Yes. That is yes. a legitimate, like, grown folk problem terror, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, because okay. when, he, when he looks at the clock and he says, oh, God, I think every adult could go, Fuck yeah, you're right. You know, you probably got to go to work at eight or nine, so it's like, yeah, it's uh, yeah, terrifying, yes, <laughs> very good, yes, because it's like once you look at it and you know, then, then it's like you're racing to get back to sleep. So, I mean, that's my problem. I feel like I'm racing to get back to sleep as soon as I lay, lay in bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, You're racing to it. Yeah, I, I know that. I know that vibe. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to ask you, uh, uh, Nikki, uh, what has been some of the inspirations that you pulled to make uh, to inspire you to make this movie? So I pull a lot from um, painters. I love John Singer Sargent and I just like the way that he handles lights and I tried to infuse that a lot into especially like the um like in the hallway when the father looks down the hallway or like the way the moonlight falls on the wow. on the fabric and stuff like that and just even from the portraiture even to composition and then also like David Lynch like Mulholland Drive um a lot of the sound effects in Mulholland Drive, uh, you know, we we tried to emulate in places there. Um, yeah, yeah. So those were our influences. Oh, awesome. Mulholland Drive is such perfection. <laughs> such creepy. perfection. So creepy. Uh, well, 
Well, you know, Nikki, before we wrap up here, I just want to ask, uh, your energy is so fun and infectious. So, or not ask, tell you. <laughs> your energy is so fun and infectious. So thank you. Uh, I would like to know, uh, is there any way our audience can learn more about you or connect with you on social media? Sure, sure. You can go to my site. So just Nikki, N-A-K-K-I, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, Roberts.com. And you can find me there. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Uh, absolute pleasure. And seriously, make more horror. Do it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, take care. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, love. Bye. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Good, how are you? Uh, been chilling, very excited to talk about this film because uh, even though it, I think it is the shortest one on the uh, Bite Size Halloween, it is quite the experience, I would say. So, thank you. <laughs> yeah, short and sweet. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was gonna ask, um, you know, I almost wanted more when it was over, so it, I would imagine if there, there's a challenge to making such a short film and is it a creative choice or is it a kind of like a budget choice for you? Uh, it was actually neither. It was a, uh, um, a format choice. Uh, oh. So this was made actually back in 2017 as part of the first run of bite-sized horror films. Um, this was sort of predated um, the Hulu streaming platform uh so so they aired on tv and and had to be maxed out at two minutes ah. so that is why that's why it's two minutes uh, okay, would you would you go yeah, back and i, I, I would have loved to have done a five minute oh, okay. version <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of I, we, we've said this to, to some of the other uh people who've done the, the hulu uh, package that we're working on here is that it, it's kind of fun because in on one hand you allow the viewer to kind of let their own imagination take it take the ending from there but but also like yeah i'm sure there is that creative part of you that wants to keep the story going and kind of and kind of lend you know lend more to the viewer as far as what's happening right yeah yeah i yeah. i think i think in shorts the 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 harder instinct is to um is to cut it off and it's easier to try to elaborate and i and i feel like you know in the in the short format you're you're better off leaving them hanging than, than trying to, to belabor the process um i also come from commercials so you know i'm, I'm more fluid i think in in shorter formats than anything so i'm actually glad you brought that up because it actually kind of felt like a commercial at first Mm. Was that intentional? <laughs> uh, no, I mean initially the, these were uh, they did have some branding um, with with Mars candy. Um, they selected I think four to sort of brand, and so Snickers had had tethered itself to live bait initially. So they, they did kind of play as um, you know short form uh, or longer form commercials, I guess. Um, but yeah, there wasn't uh, obviously. There's no. There's no branding in the spot. In the, right. In right. The, uh, but yeah, it was sort of, I guess, conscious to consider the the format as being one more closely aligned with an ad than, you know, a longer short film. Oh. Yeah. And, and and I was looking a little bit at your uh, website, and I saw you did. Are you done commercials with McDonald's, 
with Sean White, with uh, even with the most interesting man in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw him on your on your site. So when when you do, uh, how do you approach? You know, and, and now Hulu, or I guess this was done before, but even when you're working, how do you approach when you're working with a larger scale client? Is as opposed to just like something on your own? Is there a different approach that you take? Yeah, it's a different. Um, your, I, I want to say the creative process is a little more protected. Uh, incidentally, in commercials, because by the time um, the commercial gets to you, the brand has spent months developing their marketing strategy. They've worked for months on top of that with an ad agency that's developed the concept. And oftentimes the director of a commercial gets the boards. Um, so you're pitching sort of a take on how you'd approach the storyboards versus in, in narrative filmmaking, you're coming up with all that stuff from the beginning. Um, particularly if you write it, right? So, um, so there's all these different, there, there are these different sort of uh, forces behind you in commercials that have have a stake in the creative and in ways, um, not that that isn't true in narrative, but you're a little more siloed, I think. You're a little more exposed, as it were. Someone someone had a good, um, I think it was, uh, uh, I can't remember the filmmaker name, but the, the guy that did Charlie Countryman is a big commercial director. And he said, um, in commercials, if the 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 train breaks down if you get off the train as a director like the the train's going to keep going down the tracks because you've got the creative director you've got uh, all the the marketing people are going to make sure that the commercial gets done in a feature film if you jump off the train the train's going to run off the tracks and and derail so it's kind of an interesting metaphor to distinguish between the two different mediums yeah, I get that. It's a that's it's a very good analogy, and but it also allows people to stay in their own on their own track. If we're going to keep on the train, right? Like, you know, you're doing media, you're staying over here. You're doing marketing, you're over here. You're in creative. Here's your track, and stay on that. Yeah. You know, um, what I also wanted to, when you were when you when you were making a film like this, uh, is it in? Well, I guess I got a message from it. Now, would you say inherently there is a message in this movie, or is that just something for us to decide? Mm, what did you get? So for me, it seems like an animal rights, uh, you know, movement, right? Like it's like animal rights, uh, you know, because if you look at it in the beginning, you know, when he's putting up the, the worm, right? The worm, he's smiling mm-hmm. when he puts the worm, and then he fish, he you know puts it out to fish, and then we know what happens to him, right? So yep. for me, it's like you know, maybe, maybe not necessarily even animal rights, but almost even mother nature. Right. So I'm just curious, like, is that, is that, you know, is that, is that my conclusion or is that what you were trying to portray? Uh, it wasn't premeditated though. Incidentally, um, PETA had picked it up at some point and put it on one of their (laughs) sites as uh, look how pro animal this, this short film is. Um, which I thought was was funny because it, it wasn't intentional, but I think what you're um, what you're speaking to is something that's that's pretty ubiquitous in horror in general, which is the character m- committing a sin and getting punished for it. So even even uh, you know to slasher films, it's the 
the illicit sex or, or that sort of thing that gets punished by the killer. Um, so certainly you could read into that as saying this fisherman is skewering a, a worm and it's writhing on the end of the hook and he's getting his just desserts for that. So. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it is. It's true that, you know, the, the person who gets killed uh, is usually the piece of crap and the person who ends up making it alive is is not <laughs> not so um one of the things i also thought uh that came to mind when i was watching it is uh oftentimes how nature is kind of portrayed in this kind of scary realm right because it's it's the unknown there's something lurking in the forest you don't know what's there and there's always the the sound of a loon, which is so spooky in its own way, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and you did that perfectly, even in, in this film is in the daytime, and you still were able to deliver that kind of, that's, that spookiness that people can pull out of nature, which is, 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 is odd also because nature's so beautiful at the same time, mm -hmm. right? Like it, he's, on a, he's on a beautiful lake and it's sunny and it's, you know, there's trees and, and flowers, so it's also, the juxtaposition of it being scary while beautiful is definitely there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is that something that, that, that you, is that something that you pull on as far as just like from your own experience or is that just, it's it's kind of laid out for you so you just kind of grab onto it there? Yeah, I think it was catered to, well, certainly catered to the idea, but but the fact that, um, you know, if, if you think of fishing as sort of this, uh this this romantic endeavor um something that plays in our memories of of childhood of bonding with with parents or grandparents that it is something that is beautiful right and and certainly as you were saying mike that the juxtaposition is is um something i wanted to sort of exploit that it looked like this kind of bucolic painting up front but there's this ominous, you know, haunting quality to it, I think. So yeah, it was, you know, how do we make it as beautiful and pastoral and, and play into what we commonly associate with fishing, which is this sort of beautiful endeavor. Mm -hmm. And then use that well, and this before. Yeah, almost very nostalgic too, right? Like just yeah, good exactly. old days. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's another good point too, because the even the choice of lens was to go with something a little more vintage to sort of play into the nostalgia of it make it feel older or textured doesn't you know i know it doesn't come off as super eight or anything like that but it's got mm -hmm. a, a filmic quality that maybe feels a little more nostalgic than if we had a more sanitized digital approach to it wow i uh I'm never going to go fishing again. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done fishing now, so thank you. <laughs> I, 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 that's, not, that's not my intent. I, I actually, I, I still love fishing. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm totally joking. I'm definitely going to fish. I just think it's, it's wonderfully ironic and funny that, that we commit these atrocities to the fish that it was like, what if an alien civilization did that to humans? Like, Oh, man, that's, that's a whole other thing itself, you, right? Like, <laughs> you get up for right? <laughs> And who yeah, even knows, like, and, and who even knows what's down there, right? Like, that's the that's the crazy thing. You think about Friday the 13th or, or uh, the dozens of movies, right? Like, what's in the bottom of that lake? Like, what's down there? It, who knows what it is, right? It it could not even be a fish. It could be a 
octopus head or something. I don't know. <laughs> What's interesting is there are um, consistent mythologies around the world about creatures that exist in rivers and lakes. I know this just from having researched um, developing this into a feature idea. So we've been researching what this creature could actually be and looking at different places around the world this same idea pops up of this uh, sort of serpentine creature that exists as a protector and defender of lakes that can be both malevolent and uh, benevolent. And I think it plays to just the mass of water that exists on this planet and the fact that, you know, like Canada has two million lakes and only half have really been charted. Wow. So, what you know, we're looking for Bigfoot in stretches of forest that are more developed than we're looking for potential creatures that live under these lakes. Terrifying. <laughs> yep. The old uh, Loch Ness monster is still out there to be found. To be yeah, found. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, Andrew, you're going to find him. You're going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> the guy come out though and say it was a hoax? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not real entirely, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, again, your, your film is great, short but sweet, and uh, we cannot wait to see the future of that. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kate. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. care. Robin, how are you? How are you guys? Big chillin'. Doing well, doing well. <laughs> hey, uh, Robin, we're so excited to talk to you. Uh, your film, Trespassers, is truly, it's, it's pretty interesting, I thought. I thought when I watched it, it was fascinating to see this story unfold because I really didn't know where it was going, right? Because it just kind of goes and then you get that reveal and you're just like, whoa. Uh, so I wanted to just kind of dive into you with about that. Like, where does this, like, how do you get this story to fit in this small amount of time? I think you write you write all the pages, and then once you hit five, you're done, and then, <laughs> and then you keep writing, and then you see what you cut out, and then it gets a little bit longer, and then you cut it down. <laughs> um, I think it's you know I kind of compare it to boiling a soup. You just you throw all these ingredients in it, and you boil it down. You see what sticks. You see what makes the most sense. Um, knowing that, um, again, you only have so much time to tell the story, you don't want to lose pacing. And I think especially because um, attention spans are so short, what what am I giving the audience to demand their attention? And I think, you know, my goal is to sort of um, demand your eyes. Like, uh, and so as best, especially, because the moment the movie starts, you're like, and so, you know, how do you combat that? Um, and I don't, whether it's successful or unsuccessful, fingers crossed that, but I think, you know, the fact that we're talking, that, that's a good sign. But um, I, I do, I definitely think it's, it's, you're competing with everything else in the room. And so how do you demand the audience's attention? And how do you keep that pace like a musician? Yeah, that's well said. I mean. For our listeners, uh, Robin picked up his phone and, and, and looked at his phone in that brief pause, uh, which is very true, right? Like, I, I mean, it's almost kind of like where we're at now as far as I think short films, I think might even become more to the forefront of what people start watching because people's attention spans are so short. I mean, 
yeah, I definitely, I could be in a room watching people with, with watching a movie with people in the same room and see them looking at their phone and you and your film, you just get right into it. Like right away with the title trespassers, you, right away you're, you see that there's some trespassing happening and it's, and it's going down, right? Like it's, <laughs> you don't have any time to waste. Um, and also the production quality is really amazing. So I'm just a little curious, like, when you're doing the film like how much of that is in your control and and, and and where does that go for you in your position um as far i mean as far the, the things i get to control are things like i i have pretty i uh you know i don't get i mean i almost yeah i got pretty much final say on the cast as long as it's approved everything has to get approved right so you you're you're you you're coming up with all these elements and sort of bringing them all together and then bringing them to the studio and say, Hey, this is the vision based on like what's available, what we can afford. Like, does it like, I think this will work. And do you think this will work? And, you know, usually if everyone's aligned, it's like an easy sign off. Um, I mean, finding the location is, is I think one of always the biggest challenges I've, I mean, I did a short film, my first short film that I did after college, I, we, scour the entire west coast from like as far south as as uh, uh san pedro and as far north as sonoma looking for a location um nowadays it's a little easier because there's more stuff online um but finding the houses and we got so lucky like once we found this house we're walking through it we're like oh my god this is this this is there and then we started like adapting the screenplay to the location so um, you know, there was never a safe in the original script, uh, but the house had a safe. And we're like, oh, well, instead of like breaking into the walls, he can be breaking into the safe and that'll lead to this. There was actually like a secret trap door in, in the house. And so we're like, oh, you know, there's, so there are little things that um, I think you have, the initial pass will always be this vision that you have in your head. And unless you're operating on essentially a blank check, there will have to be some adaptations and evolutions from the initial conceit to the final product. Um, some people call it compromises. I like to call it evolving. <laughs> uh, uh, I like that evolving. I love that. <laughs> but like the idea is that we're always evolving the story from its initial, um, again, a conceit to practical application. And so sometimes it's like, all right, we know we need to go behind, we, we want to see behind the walls. How do we do that? We found this little shaft essentially between the two structures of the house. And what you're seeing is actually the area between the garage and the backside of the house essentially. And it was all outside, but then we try to make it look like it's inside. Uh, and so we're just, adapt everything's sort of adapted to fit the screenplay and especially when you don't have a lot of money it's like or how creative can we be about all this or we'll shoot it this way versus that way and um you know i think um for the film to take the life that it has as far as like the location and the characters a lot of it just has to do with um the location itself and, and the people we we chose yeah i mean it's the magic of the camera and you did a really great job like i never would have even imagined uh that it, it that scene was shot that way yeah and um and, and so that, that makes me want to ask this next question just because something about something in the walls always terrified me 
as as a kid. <laughs> I, saw, I saw this movie, uh, and I want to ask if this you've seen this movie, if it had any pull on your, you know, creative influences, the people under the stairs. Um, so no. Okay. Not recently. Yes. Not it, recently. It, but but yeah so so and, and I, there's some like voodoo looking stuff in there and so are you pulling on different cultures or like where do you find that creative so i have uh that was the hard creative amazing talented uh work of my production designer and her art director um uh, kim and chase and kim the there's um there's like in the script it was like there there was um animal carcasses and animal bones in the script and as soon as kim got the script she goes all right i'm already working on the animal bones at home and i think she made them all with like paper mache uh, and there wasn't it wasn't a specific like culture that we we're trying to pull from it was more just um if anything we were kind of pulling from like um Lord of the Flies. It's just like what happens when a kid is left alone or a young person is left alone and then becomes an adult. You know, what um, I think one of the things that we were sort of sampling from was like prison prisoners and how they'll make artwork with whatever's available to them and how there's like sort of expression as an expression in art, um, especially when you're confined. And what what tools do you use? And I think, you know, everyone, you know, even Bert, like, every creature has a way of how they will approach a home. And it's only through our own societies telling us like, oh, this is how you do it. You live in a house, you do this, you have a kitchen, da da da, da. Um, But when you don't, when, when you're sort of just left to your own device, you're still gonna create a shelter of, of form and, and, you, and you may decorate that. And so that was really um, the, it was a combination of hey this is the rough idea and then just incredible incredible artistry from the uh, art department team to to make that set yeah you can totally see it because it's it's it, the visual aspect of that whole film just grips you right like absolutely and you know i think your team did su such an amazing job on that now i know we got to wrap up soon but i, I want to ask you a question here because i haven't asked this yet i should have been asking this to everybody is because it's you know halloween and we're celebrating horror and halloween stuff what is your favorite horror movie of all time? Oh, <laughs> so I, I just said this to someone on uh, the previous one. My, my favorite guilty pleasure movie is um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, it's uh, nice. I, yeah. I think it's hard to say what my favorite, favorite horror film is because, um, you know, it's such a vast array. Uh, I think most recently, I. Um, Suspiria, the, the remake of Suspiria. Oh, yeah. Uh, was rad. Yes. Um, the Descent is one of my favorite oh. indie horror films. Yeah. Um, and then and then just, you know, the, stere the stereotypical, like, I'm a, oh, I'm a filmmaker, I like horror, like, I love The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> those, those are the boring answers. But um, uh, those, I think, the, Suspiria, the remake of Suspiria was... Um, I one can aspire. Mm. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because people do not give that movie enough love because you know Suspiria is so perfect as it is. I mean, really, it's a great, yeah, yeah. great film. And that that remake or uh, reboot, however you want to rephrase it, it's it's incredible. Like it's it's so good at like capturing the essence of it, 
but building on top of that like oh mm-hmm. the way you said it like that's what you aspire like if that's what you aspire i know you can achieve that man because visually it's close already an aspect of like what you can achieve so man if you can make that happen please know i'll be there day one <laughs> that's it robin thank you so much for your time we truly appreciate you and uh, we cannot wait to see the rest of your career unfold guys thank you so much really appreciate it of course take care All right, I am so excited for this. This has actually been the one of the interviews I've been looking forward to the most. So very excited. Uh, Ride or Die, your guys' film was so much fun. Uh, arguably one of my favorites of the whole bite-sized uh, Halloween. Uh, but I just got to ask right away, are you guys Ride or Die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're married. <laughs> so definitely <laughs> I absolutely love it uh, yeah I was just talking about it with Mike it says your guys' movie uh, it, it's so much fun it, it has kind of a sweet message to it but also there's lots of lots of different tones in there like I love it like it's just so much to unpack in that in that film so I, I, I guess to kind of start it all off it's like where does that where does the, the story of Ride or Die begin um, do you want to tackle that one? Uh, I, yeah. I, um, so our, we um, recently have had to teach our kids how to drive, um, which is uh, uh, a horrifying experience <laughs> on its own. Um, so that was the kind of the character launch for this story. Is like, what, what do kids who barely know how to drive do in a situation where they're now going to have to drive for their lives, for the rest of their lives, potentially? And if they can barely make it to the Starbucks without killing other people. So <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy because there is something pretty terrifying about a 16 year old who just got their license right driving around <laughs> so terrifying so terrifying uh, i don't know what do you think mike <laughs> yeah i mean i'm ter- more terrified of that than my head exploding so <laughs> yes indeed um so yeah teddy and ninson am i saying that correctly yes. your name um yeah. it's great to see a duo uh you know a writing a directing duo, I get, you do both, correct? Writing mm-hmm. and directing. Um, and, and I did a little bit of research on y'all and saw, you know, you've had stuff sold to Paramount and NBC. And what do you think? Is it the is it the writing duo that contributes to, to your success? I, I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure it sure. does. Uh, we did work separately for a long time. Um, Min Sun wrote in a, a whole lot of different mediums um, for journal, for websites and do journalism and feature stories and comedy and that kind of thing. And I've generally stuck to film and television. Um, and we had done a couple, worked together a couple of times in, in early in our marriage, and um, we came back together for one particular idea that we ended up writing as a script and set up at Sony. Um, and then we kind of we just stuck. It, you know, it worked so well. It's also really tricky and, and difficult sometimes. Um, it's because we have all this other stuff that goes into you know marriage stuff that goes into. <laughs> writing and directing as well. Um, but I couldn't, I mean, everything I do is better because Min Sun is doing it with me and she's a better writer than I am anyway. So, and we, all the best ideas, all that, let's put it this way, all the crap ideas get thrown out when you have someone who's saying that's a crap idea, you know, <laughs> instead of yourself and you let your crap ideas kind of come to the page. Yeah, we kind of are, the friction and the tension that comes from disagreeing actually works uh, to our favor because 
I think the, the process of it shapes it better. So I think our, our work is better because we collaborate. Yeah, it, it's almost like, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to the group Outkast, uh, hip hop group. And, and to me, they both put out good music solo, but when they did their stuff together, it was like a whole different animal in itself, you know? Yeah. And so for, for Ride or Die, how does that work? Does it work like your other films where maybe you write a page and then you show it to the other person you go this is great but this doesn't make any sense and this oh wait you wrote in i didn't fold the laundry in there like <laughs> the secret message like how does that work when you're when you're, when you're it's actually different writing? for a short than it is for the feature because when we've written features before um it's definitely like running a marathon versus a sprint so um we definitely had to when we're doing features we pound out a beat sheet that's very meticulous and detailed. Um, and that is the most painful, longest drawn out process. But once we have that figured out, then we can divide up the pages. And then that part will go faster because, you know, we'll write half and then we'll trade and we'll and we'll fix and rewrite each other as we go along. So our first draft can be a little bit bumpy, but at the same time better because we've, you know, each looked at it before. And as for the short, we pretty much wrote it together at the same time because it was such a short script. So every that was also difficult because every line of dialogue, well, that's not want to use that word. And, you know, we had to like, <laughs> sort of, you know, you know, work with together on that, yeah. but yeah. But when we get to the directing stage, it's much, much easier um, because, you know, when you're writing it, you're, it's the blueprint of the story uh, and every beat, every, everything that's going on every, in the whole world has to be worked out. But once you've done that and you get to the set, um, and pre-production, production, post-production, post you, you're just trying to bring that blueprint to make a house. You're just trying to bring a story to life that you've already created. So when we're directing, we're a unit, mm -hmm. just doing everything together and we rarely have disagreements on anything. Yeah, we got all our fighting out of the way earlier. <laughs> I love it. You know, Mike, she's basically talking about you and I, we're like the married couple here. <laughs> we, are. We, we haven't gotten all our, all our fighting out yet, so no. <laughs> some work to do. Me too, me too. So uh, on that subject, you know, I, I, there's a very awesome scene towards the end, which I don't want to give too much away. Well, I guess I'm going to give something away, but uh, where you two appear in it. And I have to ask, did you guys like did you predetermine who was going to die out of you two? <laughs> and how does that work? <laughs> well, he, he really rallied to be the, the guy who died. So yes. What a gentleman always. <laughs> also, I, I wanted to have like, I mean, it's every guy's dream to have a death scene in a horror movie, you know? Uh, and and so now, luckily, I hadn't even thought about it. Minson has insisting that I make a gif of that moment. And anytime I want to say to someone, oh, that's so great, my head's exploding, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. I think uh, it's right because it's you talk about like the, the dream of dying on camera. Me and Mike are trying to make that dream happen. So oh, one yeah. day, if you guys ever need somebody in the background, we'll it do it for free. Know. Yes. yes. <laughs> we, we, we need to kill people regularly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yes. We actually sit in uh, restaurants, and one of the one of the benefits of being a team is that we we go out to write together a lot, and we sit there and we have these long, like really serious debates about the best way and the goriest way to kill, kill people. Somebody, yeah. And oh my God, people yes. in the next booth are like dialing nine one one, asking the waitress to please move them to another seat. Oh, I, yeah. that's that's like a great conversation. <laughs> I feel like that happens to me just regularly. So. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you guys about the film that there's some layers in there uh to the to the short there's there's the infect you know some kind of infections going on 
and no one knows what it is. Then there's like, is this the end of the world? Like, is this gonna go viral everywhere? Then there's another level, which pop quiz, hot shot. I don't know if you know this movie, but there's another element that reminds me of the movie Speed. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Right? <laughs> I mean, and, 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 you know, again, don't want to give too much away, but there's something within that. And so I love all the different, there's, there's, to me, there's at least three different layers in this short, which make it so fun and pulls you in right away. So oh. you, you did a great job. And was there any influence from that movie? In oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, sure. yeah, when we, when we, when we pitch this, we kind of pitch it as speed meets a quiet place or speed meets it follows or something like that um i mean speed is one of the greatest devices in film history period um and i don't believe it's been done since then so um and ours isn't exactly the same obviously but um we just thought it'd be fun to you know consider that type of thing in a horror situation as well yeah at least it's more like speed one and not speed two (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we wrap up, I, I've been kind of asking this question out to all of our, our guests, uh, and I have to ask you. Know, obviously, we're talking about Halloween. We're talking about horror movies. So, what are your guys's favorite horror films of all time? Oh, we have a list. Um, well, we both agree that Rosemary's Baby, an old, mm. an oldie but a yes. classic goodie. Yes. Um, and I personally like some more obscure ones like Shutter, The Eye. Um, yes. And also love um, the orphanage, and oh yes, the orphanage is so yeah. good. <laughs> that's like the list of our favorites from the past, and also the ring um, from like oh, the past, yeah. you know, twenty years recently. And I mean, I think we're in a renaissance of great horror. Um, Absolutely. Just last year, I mean, I thought that his house and the gin were both phenomenal films. Um, his house is on Netflix right now, and the gin is either on Netflix or Shutter. Or I may need to look it up and find out, but it's you got to see it. It's 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 also amazing that both of these movies, but especially the Gin, took like just one set pretty much. The Gin really is one apartment, and the entire movie is inside that apartment. And the amount of tension and the care for the characters and the actors' performances. There's like a 13 year old kid. He's brilliant, um, and his house is a beautiful, beautiful film. Like these are, and I just think like it, it's it's a, there's so many great horror films out now. It's hard to you know see them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. I think as a horror fan right now, especially in the world of like Shutter, you know, I think Shutter also makes it more accessible to everybody, right? Like it's yeah, it's it's just it's a horror man, it's a horror man, it's a horror fans kind of fantasy world right now. I love that. So cool speaking of Shudder, like you have to see Josh Rubin's Scare Me, which is on Shudder, which is Yes, amazing. I have seen that. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I'm not sure yes. where Werewolves Within is. Um, Josh Rubin's more recent movie is, play, yeah. is playing, but it's I know it's streaming and it's also fantastic. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good calls. So before we go, uh, would you mind, uh, how can our audience learn more about you guys or uh, connect with you guys? Well, I think they can follow our pages on Instagram. We have a main uh, horror page, at, how did you renamed it? Ectoplasm Ent, as in entertainment. Impossible to spell, sorry. (laughs) E-C-T-O-P-L-A-S-M-E-N-T. And we also have our individual pages on Instagram. I'm at Minsun10, the number 10. And I'm Teddy T. Or am I Teddy T. Bomb? I don't even know. Teddy T-Bomb. <laughs> that's, a, that's the that's the rap name right there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much. Okay, take care. All right, nice meeting you guys. Nice meeting you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.